This podcast is produced by KPP Financial. Steve Peasley, President. KPP Financial. Independent thinking, shared success. And now today's podcast. Good afternoon, everybody, and welcome to Invest Talk. It is Tuesday, September 1st, 2020. So, August is now done. We look at that in the rearview mirror now, and now we look forward to September. Did you know that there's interesting statistics about September? We're going to talk about them. On, on, it's going to be our main discussion point today. Now, August trade is now, you know, was a pretty good month for the market. Uh, usually, it's not as good as it has been. But it was a pretty good month. So we've had a pretty good run. I mean, you gotta, it's kind of unbelievable run for the amount of economic damage we did to ourselves. And it tells me the investors, investors think it's going to be, uh, it is, is not worried about COVID-19. They think it's going to be in the past and they're going to, everything is going to be just fine. So, uh, that's what the investors think because they're pushing the market up. Of course, it helps that you know the Fed has unlimited liquidity. That helps a lot. But there's a lot of crosswinds. We're going to have pullbacks, everybody. The market's going to be volatile. I don't know how big the pullbacks will be, but they'll be there. You just got to learn how to compensate with for them. That's all. I'm Steve Peasley. And today in this program and podcast, I will do my best to give you unbiased answers to your financial investment questions. Any questions regarding money, we'll talk about. And I'll help you with some strategies. I'll help you deal with the volatility. That's what this show is all about. So, But you're, you drive the show with your calls. So you have to call 888-99-CHART. Now here on Talk and at my company, KPP Financial, based in Irvine, California, we operate with the same philosophy we've been doing for years and years and years. That's independent thinking, and we share the success of what we have. Now, that doesn't mean we're always right. We're not always right. That's not how it works. Market Markets are interesting. Time in the market is important. That's what is key. Your efforts in being in the market. Not trying to time the market. Not trying to figure out, oh, should I get out now? No, that that's not really that important. Time in the market, buying good, solid companies with good fundamentals, you know, uh, that's what works over time. So I want to provide unbiased guidance as best I can. And, and you, I've mentioned it before, but we, we practice parallel investing where I buy the same things for my clients as I do for myself all the time. And each one of our programs, I'm in the same program, same price, same time for all the, the equities that we have in there. That's how it works. Okay, I've been doing it for a long time that way, and we will not be changing. Okay, um, of course, we're not traveling yet. Uh, COVID-19 has pretty much put a kibosh on that. Dustin and I are doing in, uh, are doing non-in-person portfolio reviews. So we'll still, we're still doing portfolio reviews. So we'll be happy to do that, no cost, no obligation, portfolio assessment via telephone, or, you know, we could try Skype or Jive meetings, whatever way is comfortable for you. And so you don't need to postpone your plans or, you know, if you want somebody to look at professional, some professional help looking at your portfolio or you just want to help manage it, be happy to do that. That's what we do for a living. 
So I encourage you to reach out to me or Justin with a message through investtalk.com. Invest talk with two T's. My focus point today, uh, the stock market is roaring, but should you fear an awful September? Maybe not. One analyst charted the Dow back to 1896, and he says that in September's of average uh, of average presidential election years, the stock market actually has risen. We're going to go into some details on that. Other topics that I want to talk about today. I want to talk about the euro versus the dollar. I also want to talk about Schwab sees several possible triggers for a pullback. Schwab does. And they had four of them. I'm going to talk about all four. And I want to talk about U.S. manufacturing. The ISM number came out today for August. Remember, August was just yesterday, so just ended. So that's what we're going to do about Market today, Dow's up 215, the NASDAQ up 164, and the S&P up 26. Let's go to Al in Virginia. He wants to talk about Tesla and Apple. Al. Hi, Steve. Thank you for taking my call. You know, I lived through the late 90s, and I saw everything that went on in the stock market back then. It seemed like uh, so many things were happening that left you scratching your head. And we know how that ended up. And, you know, I kind of right. feel like I'm there right now. I look at Tesla. I look at Apple. You know, these stocks announce a stock split, and then they go crazy. And then you got Tesla announcing a, uh, you know, uh, they're going to uh, sell Five more stock. Billion. And it goes up based yeah. on that. So I'm just, you know, I think these are initial signs here, but I'm just looking for some. You know, what are you guys looking at? Are there some telltale signs? I know nobody rings the bell at the top, but, you know, what, what kinds of things are you looking at? Because I really believe that we're very close to that kind of a moment where people are going to just yeah, wake up and start selling. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're, uh, I, I'm, we're looking, the couple things you mentioned, these stock splits are kind of a, a little warning flag, I guess, a yellow flag, you know, uh, because stock prices have risen so high, so fast, and they're splitting the stocks. And we did that in the 19, late 1990s, if you remember right. Also, I, I, I'm, I, you know, there's a clear sign that's called a blow-off top. Have you ever heard of that before, Al? A blow-off top? Yeah. A blow-off top. I have. Uh, uh, so we're, uh, are we look, are we looking at a blow-off top? And for everybody else, that means if you're watching a chart and you're you're looking at uh, various indexes. A blow-off top is where all of a sudden everybody pit- capitulates and throws all their money in. You have huge volume up and a large increase in price. And the trick is, so far, I haven't seen that volume. Uh, so I, I don't think we're there at the blow-off top level yet. But if we get one of those... I'm thinking uh, I'm probably going to do some rebalancing and cut some positions. I wouldn't get out, but, man, that makes me awful nervous. And I think the market is overbought right now. I do think we're really going to – we're really due for a couple of pullbacks here. Maybe not big ones, and I'm going to talk about that later in the show because Schwab sees them too. So we'll talk about that, but there are signs that we'll be looking for, and we'll share them with you too. Don't think we won't. You're listening to Invest Talk. I'm Steve Peasley. 
And we know that the market trading is all already well into the third quarter, right? Two-thirds through the third quarter. But what we cannot know or predict with any certainty is just how long the pressures and fallout from the coronavirus pan- pandemic are going to affect the stock market. We just don't know. So therefore, therefore we're assuming they're going to have more volatility. Then we're going to have some down volatility. So let's talk about that. Your participation is important, everybody. Give me a call, 888-99-CHART. It's an Invest Talk Tuesday. Steve Peasley is here today taking your calls live. How's your portfolio doing? Are you prepared for continuing market volatility? You've got questions, so call Invest Talk. 888-99-CHART. 888-992-4278. We're going to go talk to Will in Minnesota. Will. Yeah, hi, Steve. Can you hear me? Yes, I can hear you great. Thank you. Yeah, great. Yeah, thanks for taking my call. I've got a, uh, an ETF ticker. It's PNCR. It's called Long Car Immunotherapy ETF. It's a... It's a it's an ETF of thirty uh, companies, pharma companies that invest in cancer immunotherapy. So it's a niche play, but I was just curious to get your take on uh, some of the uh, metrics and if you see this as a long term uh, play. Okay, okay. So everybody, he he is CNCR is a symbol and Long Car Cancer Immunotherapy ETF. ETF seeking investment results corresponding to the Lone Car Cancer Immunotherapy Index. And you say there's 30 stocks in there, Will? Yep. Yeah, it's an so equal weight will. fund. Yep. Okay. Okay. I, I, I like it. I like the niche. I like. I like it that it's focused. And it could be a part of a, a well-balanced portfolio. There's absolutely nothing wrong with this. Um, I'd like to. I would look at each of the individual thirty companies just because you know I like to. I like to do that. But but I have no problem with someone buying something like this because they wanted to be in that sphere, but they just didn't know what companies to buy. But they wanted to be in that sphere. Um, now, whether they'll come up with a cure for cancer or not, I you know who knows. But that's why I would look at each individual company just to, just to give myself some comfort about what's what's going on inside the ETF, okay? But if this is a space that you think is going to work, uh, I have no problem. Just don't load up. Don't, like, have half your portfolio or anything. I would not have more than maybe 8 10% of my portfolio in this, just as a tribe. Because, remember, you're buying 30 stocks. I mean, just by this one mm-hmm. ETF. But you're focused in a particular sector, a very defined part of a particular sector. So I wouldn't buy more than 10%. I would not. But as far as uh, possibility of, you know, taking off that, if they, someone comes up with some good cancer therapies, yeah, they would do very, very well. Thanks for the call, Will. I appreciate it. CNCR was a symbol, everybody. My focus point today concerns a question. The stock market is roaring, but should you fear a bad September? Because what, why, why do we say that? Because September on average, on average, going back to 1896, I think, Anyway, it's down 1% on average for September. September is usually down 1% on average. 
there is an exception to that, a presidential election year. On average, it's up, uh, what, I think it's uh, three-tenths of 1% for September. Now, why is it, you know, this has been asked over and over and over, and there's no answer. Why is September a bad month? Why does September have the reputation and the facts to back it up that September is a bad month? There's lots of theories, but no one theory has really panned out. Now, you can come up with one. How about uh, people coming back from summer vacation and they want to sell? Well, why wouldn't they want to buy? See, there's no theory that can hold water that statistically we can point to. Okay, um, so it's hard to understand, but are we going to have a pullback enough in September to be? See, and this is one of the reasons why October is one of the best months, but also October is known to have bottom, have a bottom in the market for the year. But it's one of the best months because it, there's a September is bad, bottoms in sub, October, then r- comes back in October. So, I mean, yeah, some of the worst days in history come in October, worst one days. And so, yeah. So why is it going to be? But I don't think, you know what, I really don't think you should pay attention to it. I don't. I, I do believe we're going to have a pullback or two in September. But I just don't know if they're going to be a huge pullback. There's so much liquidity going on. And we're getting on top, appears, appears we're getting on top of the coronavirus a little bit. I mean, incidences of, of the virus are going down. And if we're going to get, if we get good news on the, uh, on the, on the, the vaccine front, you know, market's going to continue to rally. Just that simple. On the next best talk, are you overlooking a smart way to play the stuck at home trend in the market? Well, as believes there's something going on that investors need to watch. A housing shortage outside cities. The story tomorrow, by, by the way. For now, I'm Steve Pisa. I'm ready to take your questions live at 888-99-CHART. If you'd like to see more about KPP Financial Select portfolios, like our balanced income portfolio, just click on the Investments tab on investtalk.com. You are listening to Invest Talk. Every Friday on the program and the podcast, Steve Peasley shares highlights from the newest edition of the KPP Premium Newsletter. Listen Fridays to Invest Talk. And now, Steve and Justin welcome your calls and questions. 888 99 Chart. Okay, let's go to Eli in New York City. Eli, want to talk about trading strategies? Hey there, Steve. Yeah, so Hello, how you show. Uh, thank you again for putting it on. So, yeah, a quick question on trading strategies, uh, specifically psychoanalysis. Uh, so that's referring uh-huh. generally to, let's say, you know, every 20 weeks or so, plus or minus, you know, two to three weeks. Typically that enters what's called, let's say, a risk zone where we can expect a correction if there's a rally for 20 weeks. Um, and you were basically, you were talking to it a little bit. Uh, you know, expecting lows in September, and that kind of goes with psychoanalysis. But just wanted to get your your opinion on on the accuracy of of, an, of a technical analysis like a psychoanalysis. Well, I I I pay 
I pay pretty close attention to cycles in the market. Um, I don't I don't necessarily base all my trading on cycles. I'm not like a a, a trader based on cycles. I just pay attention to them knowing that uh, we're getting close to a, a, a cycle top, and therefore this would be a good time to maybe produce a little bit of cash, you know, to rebalance some, some positions that have done very well and maybe take them down a little bit and put that cash on the sideline. So I do believe in cycles. I think, uh, I think charting and cycles, they tend to be true. They don't always, they're not always true, but they're more true than often than not. But it's not, you can't, you know, everybody tries to treat cycles as a science, and I think it's too much human nature of, and fear and greed play a part. So it's hard to pinpoint them. It's, it's easy to see them, but hard to know exactly when is that cycle top and that cycle bottom coming in. Uh, you know, and I've, there's been many, many books and studies done to try to determine that. And the reason why I think they all don't, you know, not all that accurate is because of human nature. You know, people's fear and greed, the only two emotions that mean anything in the stock market, they come into play and it's just tough. But I do I do play very close to cycles. I do play close attention to them. I really do. Eli, I appreciate the question. Thank you. Okay, that was Eli uh, from New York City. Let's talk about, uh, let's talk about the, uh, the, the September... Uh, I think we already did that, but we'll talk about a little bit more before we move on to the next point because I had a couple of things I wanted to discuss or at least bring up about uh, the September vote. And that kind of ties into the cycle. You know, the, the stock market has a yearly cycle, okay? And the, the cycle is the last three months and the first three months of the year are usually positive. And the middle six months of the year are usually negative. So, and that's a yearly cycle, very, very consistent over the many, 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 many years. Now, here the market bottomed in March and then rallied all the way through <laughs> up until now. Okay, that totally sma- is totally opposed to the normal cycle. So what we're dealing with is something very unusual, the pandemic. It's messed up the yearly cycle. So I don't know if you can have any weight on the cycle this year. It's just so odd. Plus, we're in a presidential election year. It's just been a very odd year. You had to be pretty flexible about it. And that's okay. Being flexible is not a bad thing. Everybody, we have, that's one of, one of the main things you have to be in the stock market is be a little bit flexible. Okay, uh, the euro is at a two-year high against the dollar, meaning the dollar has fallen, and it continues to fall. So it's 120 euros per dollar, okay? So it's fallen 20% against the euro. Why is this important? Why do we care? Well, remember, our currency trades against other currencies around the world, free-floating currencies. So if Europe's dollar, if their euro gets high, that means our exports are very expensive or very cheap to them. Not expensive, but cheap to them. Their exports to us are very expensive to us. Okay? And it, it erodes the value of the dollar. Does that mean it will no longer become the world's reserve currency? Now, that's not even close to that kind of a problem. But 
A lot of things in the world are traded in dollars. Commodities are traded in dollars. Oil is traded in dollars. So it matters to as to what stocks, your foreign stocks, domestic stocks, uh, are, are they related to the oil industry or any industry that if, that there's a currency issue? How much a foreign company sells to us is extremely important because they're going to get weak U.S. dollars, and that might that will affect their earnings. So you, be, you don't have to be a currency trader. You don't have to know all there is to know about currencies, but you need to be aware of how it affects investments. So. For instance, the euro, you know, their, 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 their inflation fell for the first time in four years. Fell, shrank, two-tenths of a percent. So, it's important. you got to pay attention to it. Okay. The work-from-home and stay-at-home trend has ignited computer sales. And looking back in time, today's uh, computer microchip leader, Intel, was not always the big shot in this game. So as we go to break, here's my trivia question. When did Intel become the microchip market leader? And can you name two other key players in this arena? I'll have the answer for you after the break, but for now, my phone lines are open. I encourage you to give me a call, 888-99-CHART. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It is official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. At this point, I think almost everyone has heard how generative AI promises to bring us to the next industrial revolution. AI is already shaping society with an impact on daily life that echoes the transformative significance of electricity or the Internet. As we take steps to embrace the potential of generative AI, we need to remain vigilant with regard to its exploitability. This is where HackerOne comes in. HackerOne's AI Red Team addresses the novel challenges of AI safety and security for businesses that are launching new AI deployments. The HackerOne approach involves targeted offensive testing by harnessing the collective skills of ethical hackers who are proficient in AI and prompt hacking. In short, AI red teaming is the practice of stress testing AI models and deployments to make sure they can't be tricked into providing information beyond their intended use, and that security flaws can't be exploited to access confidential data or systems. HackerOne seamlessly integrates with your existing tools to enhance communication and collaboration across development, 
security, and IT teams. So, stay ahead of the game in the battle against cyber threats with HackerOne's attack resistance platform. Learn more at HackerOne.com. That's H-A-C-K-E-R-O-N-E.com. HackerOne.com. The calendar tells the story. Summer is moving fast, and the Labor Day holiday will be here soon. But you've got finance and investment questions now. So Steve and Justin welcome your calls. Invest Talk, 888-99-CHART. Okay, before the break, I gave you uh, a trivia question. When did Intel become the microchip market leader? And can you name two or three other key players in the arena? So here's the answer. By now, most investors know that Intel Corporation, INTC as a symbol, is an American multinational technology company headquartered in Santa Clara, California. A lot of our big tech companies are oh, Silicon Valley. It's the world's largest and highest-valued semiconductor chip manufacturer based on revenue. Intel was founded July 18, 1968. That's 52 years ago. In the 1980s, Intel was among the top 10 sellers of semiconductors. In fact, it was ranked number 10 in the world in 1987. 10. In 1992, Intel became the biggest chip maker by revenue and has held the position ever since. So can you name other top semiconductor companies? Okay. Advanced Micro Devices, AMD, Texas Instruments, TXM, NVIDIA, NVDA, Samsung, which is a privately held company, and it was founded in 1938, by the way, Korea. Toshiba, publicly traded in Japan. And a bonus fact. At the start of 2020, Intel had a total of 110,800 employees. 110,800 employees. So that's the Intel, Intel story. Okay, I'm open for any questions, all questions, so let's keep things moving. Here comes another voice, voice bank question from a listener in Seattle. Hey, this is Brennan from Seattle. Just looking at PG&E or PCG, the ticker symbol. That was come through rough times and coming out of the other side. Looking all right off bankruptcy, even though hemorrhaging money. Just wanted to see if uh, it might be a good long-term hold now or if it's still too risky. Just want to see what you guys think. Thanks. Well, for me, I'm, I I kind of like to stay away from uh, California uh, power companies. And so PCG is PG&E Corporation, and headquarters in, uh, engaged in the generation and distribution of electricity and natural gas in northern central California because, you know, they have to have electrical lines across the state. Our, the Southern California are from San Francisco down – very dry state. Uh, after the rains in January, February, March, grass grows, then it dies out, dries out, and there's always fires every year, and they always start in late summer, early, early fall. And the power companies seem to get blamed for all the fires, or a lot of the fires. Um, whether they're at fault or not, I, you know, each one is, each fire is different, but they get blamed for them. And these fires are very destructive sometimes. 
So when you say very destructive, it 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 can ruin a, a utility company, and it has. So this stock stock's selling for nine dollars and twelve cents. They're gonna make a dollar dollar uh, uh, per share next year. After making a dollar sixty this year. But they made three and four dollars a share for many years before that. So this is a very, you know, not very much money per share for them. And so, because sales have gone down in the last year, now they started to recover this year, and which is great. But man, I think it's awfully risky. I just think there's a lot better stocks out there. They had to, they they did away with their dividend because they couldn't afford it. They had to pay for billions of dollars worth of. I, it's just not my cup of tea. It's just too risky for me. I, I would probably stay. Okay, we're on a roll, so why stop? The next question comes from Texas. Hello, guys. This is Kent Turner in Arlington, Texas, and I'm calling about bonds. TD Ameritrade's website has their bond offerings, and on there they have their Moody's report that they'll provide free for companies that I look to see if they're stable or they have a negative outlook. Do y'all give much weight to those reports when you look at them? And also, Justin's talking about he's y'all are finding bonds with a 4 or 5% yield corporate bonds. And the ones I'm looking at and that are like in 25 or 26, they're having a market to yield of about 1 or 1.2. You can get a 5% coupon, but you're going to pay $114 or $100. $40 premium on bond. So can you give me an idea how far out and what kind of maturity you're looking at? Thank you. Yeah, so, we, you know, we have a, a, an all-bond program, and we have a balanced income program, which has splits the portfolio in half that has a, a bonds and the other half high dividend-paying stocks. And we buy our bonds in the latter, um, and latter meaning different maturity dates going out. And we're able, we're, we're, we're buying those bonds right on the cusp of, of, um, of uh, investment grade versus junk. So we're trying to stay on the investment grade side, but they're not, you know, to get that yield, you have to, you can't get AAA plus bonds. You can't, they, they just don't pay that much, especially in this environment, as you all know. But you know, we are able to find four percent, four and a quarter percent, and we are able to find some of them at par. It takes a lot of work, and it it doesn't mean you just can just go out there and find them. And when he's talking about you had to buy them above par, so they might yield four percent, but you have to overpay for the bond, and the yield to maturity, yield to maturity, which is a very important concept. Might be only one or two percent. That's what he's he's suggesting, and that's true. So you got to be very careful. And right now we have some we have some bonds that are selling at huge uh, above par numbers that we're going to uh, take some of those capital gains on them. <laughs> and I usually buy and hold the bonds to maturity. That's my normal default. But man, when I can sell a bond at a hundred and uh, 110, 115% above par, and it's going to, it's due in a year or two, I'm going to take it because it's going to go back to par and I'm going to lose that 15% gain. So I'm going to take it, you know, where I think it's appropriate. And, you know, 
yes, I got to now find other bonds, but I think I can. I've been able to. One of the problems you have is when you're buying lots of bonds, I mean, when I say lots, I mean several million dollars every month. You're buying several million dollars worth of bonds every month. You're getting offered much better quality bonds than if you're just an individual. You just are. So you you don't have a you don't have access to bond dealers directly to bond dealers yourself. So it makes it difficult for an individual to get those good get better yields. We get them because we do have those relationships. It's just difficult for an individual. Eight 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 ninety nine chart eight 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 nine nine two four two seven eight. Schwab sees possible triggers for a pullback. Okay, and you know we all know that the market's pretty much momentum driven right now. Certainly, fundamentals have been kind of ignored. Um, everybody's looking for the future, thinks the fundamentals are going to be much better. And they might be. I'm sure they will be at some point. But right now, we're looking at momentum market. Okay? Schwab sees a number of pullbacks before year end. But they didn't. They suggested that none of them are going to be major pullbacks. They, they, what they did is they referred to these pullbacks as the same movement of the market back in 2009. Remember in 2008, the market came up from a big, deep recession. It fell 50%. And from 2009 on, it just kept roaring, right? So they said in 2009, there was three pullbacks, one at 3.5%, one at 4.3%, one at 5.6%. And they're saying that's the similar type of pullbacks they see coming. That will kind of match that. So they don't see a normal pullback, by the way, is 10%, in case you do that. A normal pullback for the market is 10%. What are the reasons they gave for the pullback? They think just because, of the you know, technically looking at a chart and watching patterns that you should have these pullbacks. That's number one. Number two, they say a substantial earnings reductions coming up next quarter, you know, for this quarter we're in could cause a, a pullback. They they worry about a pandemic, pandemic, you know, the coronavirus having a resurgence as schools reopen. There's concern with that. And also, finally, is the continued wrangling in Washington over the unemployment benefits that they're trying to agree to. You know, that, that seems to be, of course, in this election year, neither side wants to wants to give the other side credit for anything. So so those are the kinds of things that they think are the possible triggers for pullback. Remind, I, just a reminder, you can have a black swan event. You want The most recent black swan we ha- event we had was called the COVID-19 pandemic. No one saw that coming, right? In January? No one. Right? That's a black swan event where you don't really, this comes from left field. You don't know you can't predict it. You can't can't uh, guard against it because it's just so unusual. Okay. Okay. Um, I'm Steve Peasley. I hope you have. Uh, I hope you're making the right choices with your money and your 401ks. If you're not, I might be able to help you with that. Be happy to. You know, you can, uh, you know, we, we can help you with any of you. You know, I like to look at people's portfolios, and I like to look at 401ks as well. It helps me understand what's going on out there in the, in the people's life, how much 401k, what age you are, what are you invested in, what do you have. And if you, 
if with no obligation, we'll take a look at it for you. Justin and I will take a look at your 401ks. Just got to send it to us. You can call our KPP financial office at Irvine, California, or you can send us a message for any portfolio review. To you send a message, go to investtalk.com. Just click on the contact us, which sends me an email. Happy to look at your portfolios. Now I'm taking your questions live, 888-99-CHART. This is Invest Talk. Good news. Steve and Justin have recorded another Rapid Fire Hour podcast. They take caller questions at a faster pace, but you still get their unbiased answers. In this special bonus show podcast, you'll hear responses to 34 finance and investment questions. The theme of the program concerns market processes, best practices for investors, and explanations of various terms and investment opportunities. So tell your friends, search Google Play, Spotify, iTunes, or investtalk.com for the free August Rapid Fire Hour. Independent thinking, shared success. This is Invest Talk, made possible by KPP Financial. Hey, this is Brian from San Diego. I just had a question about how you, uh, well, I just wanted to know how you feel about Lithia Motors, ticker LAD. Thank you. Okay, LAD, Lithia Motors, Inc. Okay, uh, it operates 188 car dealerships in 20 states, offering 30 brands of new and used cars and light trucks. It's a $5.9 billion company, so it's a mid-cap company. Uh, they make money. They've made money every for years and years and years, and they've made more money every year going all the way back to 2013. Next year, they're going to make $17.28 a share. Even though sales in the last two quarters have fallen, earnings are going to be pretty high. The stock is selling for $258 a share. So, fundamentally, the company is very strong, fundamentally. Now, you're looking at a P.E. ratio of about 20, let's see, 10, 170. So, you're looking at a P.E. ratio that's, what, 17 or so? Uh, so that's not too bad for the return on equity, 21%. Growth rate of earnings is 18% this year and 25% next year. It doesn't pay much of a dividend, 5%, five-tenths of a percent, five-tenths of 1%. Management owns 1%. And the stock has just done very, very well ever since COVID-19. It was a $60 share, now it's 258 I think you're late to the party is what I think. I, I think this is, you know, they had a, they had a good day today, and that may have brought your attention to it, up 3.76%. And it was on huge volume, too. So something happened that drove it today. There's probably some news event. If I could read real fast. Uh, Lithia acquired $600 million in revenue, adding to its rapidly growing network. Uh, that, that was out today. Lithium Motors is an incredibly gross stock yeah, group. So something's going on. And, you know, if you wanted to be participate, you can buy maybe half a position here, knowing that you're paying up for the stock. And you might want to wait for a bigger, uh, more, more substantial pullback. I think that's what I would do. Um, because you know, the whole market's been momentum. It was high as 278. Now it's 258. So it's had a little bit of pullback. 
good day today. So that's why I'm saying you might be able, might want to put half a position on here and wait for one of the three pullbacks. Uh, Schwab is predicting. I don't know if we're going to have three, but you know, one or two or three, we, we might have. I'm pretty sure we're going to have a pullback or two. It's just not may not be very big. This is Best Talk, everybody. I'm Steve Peasley, and we have one goal here: is to help you to achieve financial freedom. And, of course, it's going to continue. Our goal, our work, it's going to continue right after this break. Get your questions in now, 888-99-CHART. This is Invest Talk. Is your portfolio balanced? Is it optimized? Is it delivering the types of gains you want and need to achieve financial freedom? Well, turn up the volume because there are many questions that deserve unbiased answers. And Steve Peasley is here now, ready to take your calls live. 888-99-CHART. Hi, Justin and Steve. This is Justin from Chicago. I got into BTG at like 646, small position. I was just wondering what you guys would think about that play. I saw the chart. It's a long-term hold, so it looks pretty good to me. Thank you. I'll be listening. Bye. Okay, BTG is BT Gold Corporation out of Vancouver. It's a $6.7 billion company, Canadian company engaged in gold mining in Nicaragua, Nibia, and the Philippines. Uh, let's see what we got here. They're going to make $0.48 cents a share this year. They made $0.22 cents last year. And they're going to make $0.50 cents next year. It's a $6.50 stock. So that tells you it's not overpriced, okay? Um, so it's right around what? 13 PE? The range is 7 to 63 in the last five years. Turn equity is a little bit low at 13%. Not hardly any debt, which is good. Pays a 1.2% dividend. Management owns 1%. And mutual funds have been pretty strong buyers in the last year. Of this so this is pulled back recently it topped at seven dollars and fifty cents or so and today's at 650 now if you if you look been watching gold all gold has been have pulled back a little bit and this is the buying opportunity for you to get into gold if this is what you want to be in I think you should be in gold you heard us talk about it I don't have to bring it up again but I think gold is a good place to be with all the spending and printing of money that we've been doing, I think it, I think you should be there. It should be part of your portfolio. Let's go to Tony in Oakland. Wants to talk about Pfizer. Tony. Hi. How are we today? Good. Thank you for the call. Hi. Yeah, I was wondering if Pfizer Pharmaceutical is doing very well, and then it kind of dropped a little bit. I was just wondering what you're thinking of Pfizer. Yeah, Pfizer's having trouble getting above $39 an ounce. That was the high it made in February before the COVID hit it, and it went all the way down to like $27.50, $28 a share. Came back up to about 38 fell back down to 32 came back up to 39 and today it was down 2.4% at 36.88. So it's having a hard time getting above that $39 area. Um uh, I think it's fairly inexpensive, and it has a very nice dividend, 4.1%. I think if – I don't know if I buy it today. 
Uh, but it's a good stock to have in your portfolio because it's paid such a strong dividend. And I think that their earnings, you know, will turn around. They're going to be two dollars sixty-eight cents this year after being two ninety-five last year, and then two seventy-five. It's interesting that the COVID virus has really hurt a number of drug companies because everybody's treating COVID. And so you're not going in for your normal medical treatments, medical procedures, which would use all the other drugs that are made out there, right? So so it's hurting certain drug companies, uh, the COVID vi- uh, pandemic. I think they'll come back. I like it because of the 4.1% dividend. If it gets down to about 35, another dollar eighty down, uh, that's that's a 200-day moving average. That looks like strong support. If it gets down to 32, I'd be I'd be a heavy buyer of, of Pfizer. Symbols PFE, everybody. It's a 204 billion dollar company, very strong. Tony, thanks for the call. I appreciate it. Pfizer PFE PFE. I do believe it's one of the Dow stocks. Isn't it? So. Or did they take Pfizer out and put in Amgen? Is that what they did? Anyways, the last talking point, U.S. Manufacturing, the ISM, Institute Supply Management Company, uh, they, uh, the manufacturing sector has increased four months in a row. And for August, they did it again. Okay, they came in at 56 from 54.2. Anything above, that's percentage, by the way. 56% from 54.2%. Anything over 50 is expansion. Still bear in mind, they're expanding, but they're coming from a very low spot. So they haven't fully recovered or anything. They're just expanding. It's good news. It's good news. We like Remember, in April, it was at 41. 41 and a half. I'm Steve Peasley, and this completes another Investop program, everybody. And I will return. Actually, I'll be here tomorrow. I'm sorry. I'll be here Thursday and Friday. Justin will be here tomorrow. Yeah, we're switching days. I'll be here Thursday and Friday. Justin will be here tomorrow. Remember to tell your friends and family members that they can choose from over 100 archived Investop podcasts. All free downloads. Podcasts are a great way to gain investment knowledge. So get your free downloads. iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, InvestTalk.com. Independent thinking, shared success. This is InvestTalk. Good night, everybody. Because of the nature of the interactive dialogue inherent in the format of this program, it's important for the listener to understand that not all comments made will apply to them specifically. Nothing said shall be taken to be investment advice, or shall statements on this program be considered an offer to buy or sell securities. Such advice is rendered solely on an individual basis, and at times will require that the investor review a prospectus before investing. InvestTalk is a copyrighted program of Klein Pavlis Peasley Financial, a registered investment advisor, which retains all rights. For more information regarding KPP's investment advisors, call 1-800-557-5461. Steve Peasley is President and Justin Klein Chief Executive Officer of Klein Pavlis Peasley Financial. And they thank you for listening and welcome your comments or questions on our 24-hour listener line at 888-99-CHART.